This is episode 20 with social psychologist Dr. Susan Newman and today we're answering one of your questions about how do I know how many kids I should be having? How do I know how many is enough for me or for me and my partner? You have to decide that you want another child or how many you want based on what's will make you as the parents happy. You can't base it on that people are saying your child needs a sibling. Hey moms, are you tired of being tired? Or maybe yelling at your kids? Or maybe you need to know how to get your strength back postpartum? Or learn to manage your stress trying to do it all? Or just to become a more confident mom? If so, then welcome to Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired. I'm Christiane Bégin, a mother of two, sharing inspiring conversations with wonderful people on how we can be mentally and physically stronger moms, and also including freshly squeezed ideas, a little bit of fun, so you can learn how to find balance, and also how to raise strong, caring, confident kids in today's world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Today, I decided to focus on one specific question that we get quite often as mothers from everyone. And the thing is, we don't always know the answer. And that is, how many kids do you want to have? Or are you thinking of having a second one? Or is one enough for you? Will I regret not having another child? So I decided to go directly to the source and ask someone that has been researching this topic for over two decades now. And this is Dr. Susan Newman. She's a social psychologist, parenting expert, and best-selling author, has written 15 books that focuses on building strong family bonds, raising an only child, grandparenting, and interactions between adults and children. She is a stepmother to four kids, mother to one child. So she's seen both. She's been named top 100 psychologists to follow on Twitter by Careers in Psychology. She's a speaker, works facilitator. She's consulted with Disney World, Milton Toys. She's a regular contributor to Psychology Today, U.S. News, World Report. She's been featured on the Today Show, CNN, CBS, Good Morning America, and many others. Her work has been featured as well in Harvard Magazine, Babel, Red Book, Parents, Today's Parents, Washington Post, LA Times, New York Times, USA Today, and many more. So she knows her stuff. What we're going to be learning today is uncovering some of the myths about raising an only child. We hear a lot about mental health and as mothers, we know that going from no children to one is a big step and involves lots of changes as well as jumping from two to three, three to four. The specific ways we should be thinking about this and what you should be ignoring and clear all the questions and break it down so you can better understand what are the thoughts and steps you should be thinking about before deciding for yourself what is right for you. So without further ado, let's listen in on our conversation. 
Welcome, Dr. Susan Newman, and thank you for being on the podcast today and to share your expertise about today's topic. Good to be here. You're a social psychologist known as a parenting expert, and you're often cited and asked about making the right family size decisions. You've actually written two books about raising an only child, one in 2001, uh, Parenting an Only Child, and another one in 2011 called The Case for the Only Child. So today we're focusing on the question that I realized a lot of parents are asking for advice and turning to other mothers on social media. And that's how many kids should I have? How many kids is the right number for me? You see comments about I only have one child and I found that's enough. Or sometimes I think maybe I should have another one. So they have siblings. I'm not sure. Some have two. Should they have three? Will that put a strain on their marriage on their with their partners and create conflicts or financial stress in their relationship? But I also found as many parents that enjoyed having one child and a lot of par parents still enjoyed having multiple kids. So what initially inspired you into focusing on this topic in your decade of research and writing two books about an only child? Well, I was in my first marriage, I married a man who had four children and I raised those children and then we got divorced. I remarried and had an only child. And everyone kept saying, when are you having another? You can't do this to your child, which is probably a lot of comments people still get. Mm -hmm. So I, I said to myself, what could be wrong with an only child? I couldn't imagine. And that's what got me searching to find out what was wrong with having one child. <laughs> well, Turns out absolutely nothing, but that's beside the point. <laughs> so that's what led me to this decades-long exploration of only children, how you parent them. Is one enough for me? Am I cheating my child? Are only children really as odd as the stereotype would lead people to believe? Mm-hmm. Did you see a change when you wrote your second book? Because they were like actually a decade apart. Did you see a change in society about how many kids people were having? Yeah, I, I actually did. It's, it's another 10 years right now since the last book, and I'm working on a new one. And anybody who would like, who has an only child or is worried about their only child, they could contact me. I'd love to interview them. But yes, it has changed dramatically. When I talked to people in the first book who would now be almost 30 years older, older only children... A lot of them were not so happy with it, but that, that was a cultural issue. And as we get into newer generations of only children, most of them, the majority of them are quite pleased with their only child status. But the problem for parents is a lot of us are living in the past. Stereotypes and stigmas don't disappear so quickly. They're thinking, oh, a boy for you and a girl for me and a house with a white picket fence, mm -hmm. which was the norm in the 50s. 
But today, it's quite different. Pressures on women are different. The financial is different. What women want with their lives is different. So the current crop of only children are quite happy with (laughs) their status. Mm Mm-hmm. In the UK, 50% of families will have one child. And if you go to Seattle in this country, that city has 47% one-child family. And also, if you look at major cities throughout the United States, talking about New York, Chicago, uh, LA, there the percentages are much higher. They're up at 30%, much like Canada. There's no question that there's a rise in the number of only children, and there are so many reasons why. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about a few today. Um, You say that we have been brainwashed into believing that children need siblings. Why is that? Uh, parents fantasize that their uh, siblings will get along and they will be best pals. (laughs) When in fact, siblings, according to research, are not all they're cracked up to be. I mean, there are siblings who just don't ever get along. The amount of abuse among siblings is skyrocketing. And I think parents feel when we're older and we um, may need help, siblings are going to rally around the bed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you talk to people or think about the people you know who are in that situation, it often doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so you can't, as a parent, base your decision to have another child on the fact that you're a, that the two kids or three kids or four kids are going to get along famously because that could happen. And it does happen in some families that siblings become closer as they get older. But that's not a good bet to make. You have to decide that you want another child or how many you want based on what's will make you as the parents happy. You can't base it on that people are saying your child needs a sibling. You can't count on that to work out. So we're going to talk today about some aspects that we don't hear very often or why it is that people believe these myths. Let's start with a few myths around having one child, because this is the most common thing I hear that kids should have siblings. Let's talk about the first one, that an only child will be spoiled because getting all this attention from their parents or whatnot, grandparents or so forth. So what's your take on this? If you look around society among your friends and what their children have or their one child has, often culturally, our children today across the board are spoiled. And uh, it takes me back to when my son was younger. One of his friends was hanging out in his room and he came downstairs and he said, Mom, Andrew doesn't even have a computer in his room. He's not spoiled. So I think it has to do with how the parents, the aunts, the uncles, the grandparents react. I mean, there is a, a study that came out maybe a year ago that fewer toys with younger children are a much better option in terms of their curiosity, their development. And many of us have toy rooms and toy chests that are bursting with toys that the kids don't use. Mm-hmm. Kids do better when they have a few toys or a few gadgets 
rather than having so many. And the spoiled notion that only children are more spoiled really is a myth because they're not generally, parents are very savvy today, particularly Mm -hmm. parents of only children because they're quite sensitive to this stereotype. And if parents keep that in mind, they're not going to have a spoiled child. They're not going to give their child his way all the time. Yeah. So that kind of goes with another myth is that an only child is selfish. But you wrote that parents are the child's best teacher in this matter. Selfish is another product of how you're parenting. For example, let's say there's one piece of cake left or there's one scoop of ice cream. You know, a parent's tendency would be to give it to that one child or if there were siblings dividing it. So as parents, you can take that pie and cut it. If there are two parents in the household, cut it in three pieces. You can divide the scoop of ice cream cream. So the kids learn that they have to share. And there's another point about that that I think is important, that only children learn pretty fast that if they're selfish and they're demanding to go first and they're demanding to have that last piece of pie, that they are not going to have a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. One thing that only children understand pretty quickly and take go to pain. And also only children, because they get a lot of attention and have basically what they need, are more likely to share than children in one household who are fighting for their parents' attention all the time, fighting to use a toy. Only children know pretty fast everything's coming their way. And therefore, in many respects, they are are far less selfish than children who have siblings. Hmm. Another thing that I hear is that how will your child socialize with other kids if most of the time, maybe when they're home, they're only with adults? What do you think about this? There's where parents have to be on the alert when their only child is very young. You do want to socialize them early. You want to put them in play groups uh, as they get a little older, set up play dates. Uh, that early socialization is key. That's important. Mm-hmm. Parents get in their minds with only children. This business of uh, whether you're out with your parents, which has advantages, by the way, in terms of vocabulary and you know exposure to different experiences. Time alone and being lonely that parents worry about is actually a plus. Only children have been shown to be more creative than children with siblings. And a lot of that has to do with having to amuse themselves as they get a little bit older and spending time alone. Uh, Parents with one child should not be concerned about that. And also, in this connected day and age, you know, I watch children and siblings sitting next to each other and ignoring them. Mm. And friends, kids are so connected with their devices that in 2020, it's pretty difficult for an only child to be lonely. Mm. 
you wrote about something I thought it was interesting. It's the effects of having parents instead of siblings as role models, as good role models for this child, that they can actually learn quite a few things from their parents. Uh, only children and firstborns have an extreme advantage in their intellectual abilities and academic standing because they've been exposed to more vocabulary, different experiences. It's a huge plus right out of the gate, as I always say, for an only child to have this time with parents. And as long as the parents are not indulging their child's every whim, only children are benefiting from all the resources their parents have, the extracurricular activities. I was visiting a friend who had a new baby recently, and the dad was saying, no, no, we're not having another We're definitely not having another. He's very athletic, this particular father. <laughs> I can put this child in soccer and baseball and football, and I couldn't afford to do that if I had more than one child. Mm. He's already pressuring that child, by the way, who's only three months old. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I told him, needs to tone it down. <laughs> Okay, so we know that having a, one child is as good as having multiple. I want to talk a bit about the dark side of having siblings because as mothers and, and mothers online, I never, never hear this. We only think good, positive, fun, especially if they're close in age. Um, it's easier for parents to do activities and have them entertain themselves at home. But you mentioned that the dark side, it can be also with abuse between siblings, bullying. Talk about this aspect, because I find it's really, really important. Yeah, one, one young lady said, I can do anything to my brothers and sisters because they're not going anywhere. But with friends, they disappear. So, yeah, the long-term effects of sibling abuse and bullying are staggering. And parents, myself included with my first set of four children, <laughs> you look the other way and you say, oh, this is just a stage. This is what siblings do. Yeah. And the one sibling tends to be quiet about it and not say anything. Parents have to be on the alert. If your child, if you notice anything odd going on between the siblings, you need to intervene. Or if, some ch if one of your children complains, um, often is much more than harmless pushing and shoving that goes on. Because that can have a long-term impact on not only the sibling relationship, but on the sibling who's being abused. Mm-hmm. I have a little story about this because it made me think of there was this girl in my school, like throughout elementary and high school, and she and people would say she was a bully and she did bully me. We were on the same bus and, you know, said comments, put me down in front of others. But the interesting thing is that so my mother was friendly with her mom and sometimes I'd go over to her house to play. And, and what I learned uh, a couple years later, actually, from her and is that her older siblings were quite mean to her. They were 
one was four years older, the other six. So they they weren't playing together. Um, they were too far apart. And they were really mean. They bullied her. And I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm thinking maybe that translated into her own way of bullying other kids. And could yeah. get away with it with you. <laughs> it yeah, was, it was her opportunity. But in terms of only children, you pick or create, parents can help create sibling substitutes with friends' children, with a classmate. Um, kids tend to go all the way through with the same children in their classes or in their school. So there's lots of opportunities for if you have one child to make a, a sibling substitute and that is a person who will help you and you know and always be there for you without the bullying and without the trauma of um, having someone knocking you down all the time. Mm-hmm. I read in some articles that uh, even some mothers that had siblings or that have siblings openly chose to have only one child saying to protect their their child from the abuse she had went through as she had siblings. So, I mean, uh, how common is that really happening? Much more common than we think. Um, I wrote an article on psychology today called Is Having One Child a Problem? And it was on Psychology Today's Facebook page uh, a while ago. There were 700 comments about it, about the article in different aspects. And the idea that my siblings were abusive, a lot of people said, I didn't like it, I was unhappy, and I chose to have one child, so my child or would not be exposed to that kind of abuse and meanness. Mm-hmm. So parents should so, intervene more than they actually are. They should They're... not look the other way and say, oh, it's just a stage, they'll get over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about people's opinions because <laughs> I feel like people just want to feel like they're helping you and kind of guiding you. Well, I know someone who has two. I know someone who has one. Like you said in the beginning, people are always asking married couples or lifelong partnerships, asking them, okay, so you have one child. Are you having another one? It's like automatic. It's yeah, not well their business, but you say that <laughs> we don't really have to explain ourselves. Oh, absolutely not. People are extremely judgmental. Often they think their way, in this case, having a number of children is the best way and the only way to go. And parents also get involved. Grandparents, mm -hmm. parents, adult child, but grandparents, because they're of a different generation, are going back to the boy for you, girl for me, dated attitude. And sometimes <laughs> friends want you to be as miserable as they are. And <laughs> child. second child really changes how you function as a family. And you can't make your decision about how many children to have based on what other people are telling you or based on the old stereotype. You have to make the decision on your age, your financial situation, your education, uh, your work status, you know, 
housing? Will you need a big, bigger living quarters? Can you afford them? Childcare is extremely expensive because they're starting marriages are later, they're starting their families later. They are having fewer kids. And there's also, going back to the uh, cost factor, many have student debt and women are staying, women in particular are staying in school longer. They're working harder. Many families need two incomes. So there's a lot of factors that um, parents need to consider. I mean, because if you're a happy parent, and you're not totally stressed out, which most parents are. <laughs> um, and when you add more and more children, the stress factor and the time factor go up. If you're a happy parent, it's much more likely you will have a happy child. Yeah. Okay, so this is around the economy and financial aspects of having one or more kids. You wrote that there's other factors as well. One being that it matters in how you view yourself and in how others view you. Talk about this. How you view yourself is important because it goes back to all the people who try to shame you and judge you. You know yourself. You know what makes you happy. Um, a lot of us are defined by the volunteer work we do or the job we have. And that will make us, and also you're being a role model, by the way, for your children, particularly women being role models for their female offspring. Those are all key issues to ponder when you're considering how many children you want to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And another thing that I, I've seen many times is how in a couple, the man wants, let's say, four kids. The woman wants two. Or I've known couples where the woman didn't want any kids, but the man wanted a child. So she had one and then said, that's it. You know, um, what happens when you're, you and your partner, the number doesn't match up? It's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be honest. Yeah, it's a mess. We'll have to look at their lifestyles, their financial situation. Do they need two incomes? What they want to do with their lives? I mean, even today, I've noticed that a lot of people are not having children at all because they've decided that's how they want to live. Uh, and there are an increasing number of single parents who are opting for one child because that's what they can manage. You know, as we go back and forth, whether it's the men wanting more, the women wanting more, or people shaming you, the grass always seems greener next door. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, look at that happy family with three kids over there. Mm -hmm. uh, and we just have one. But you don't know everything that's going on in that next door household or your best friends. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't say, you know, people tend to want what they don't have. And uh, that may not be the correct answer for you. 
people say that only children, you know, parents are putting too much pressure on them. They're trying to raise star children. But that has little to do in our current culture with family size. That's really the parents and how they're parenting. And if they're trying to raise a child or children to be the football star they weren't or to be the classical musician or artist they weren't, you know, Your kids are individuals, and you can't put what you wanted on them. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that a specific pattern with what some women I've talked to want and how many kids they're having. There was this young woman. I mean, she looked in her late 20s, and she already had like three kids. I had just my one at the time, and it was at the, the swimming pool. And people were like, wow, you already have three kids? And she's like, yes, and I want more. I want a house full of kids. And some of the mothers were like, whoa, really? And she was like, yeah, I love house full of noise, and it brings me joy. And other parents I've spoke to, And for me, I mean, I grew up with two siblings. So in my head, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. So I said, okay, three, that's good for me. So I found that sometimes it's based on your own experience, how many you were in your family and if you had good experience with that or or not. And that's kind of how you select how many kids you're going to have. And also where you have kids, you think you want maybe a specific amount until you have one. And then you're like, is this a lot for me? Like one child, I'm done. Or... um based on your feeling, I I guess. What do you think about this? True. I mean, I have a brother and my brother has two children. What you grew up with influences, strongly influences what you want in your own family. But Mm -hmm. the culture and society is different now. Pressures are different. And therefore, what you think was a great childhood, you may not be able to manage that with two children or three Mm -hmm. children. You, Mm -hmm. You have to really think about what can we handle comfortably so we are not stressed out and freaked out all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when you think about it, I mean, even my grandparents, they had like 13 kids. And sometimes I hear, how can mothers not handle one or two when back in the day there were 13? But that was a different time. I mean, and if you go back even further, people had large families because they needed kids to work the farm Mm -hmm. and to help out. But we don't need all those kids now. Very few of us have farms. Things are different. Women weren't working then. They could stay home and take care of the kids Mm -hmm. full time. And parents do that today. But it doesn't mean that you need to have a large family. Do you see a pattern depending, let's say, the state? It seems like parents that live in specific states tend to have either less kids, like let's say New York um, and maybe southern um, states, there's more kids. Do you see any patterns related to this? Well, it's what's viable. If you're using New York City as an example, you know, housing costs are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the They have fewer children. Um, But if you go to Montana, where there's lots of land, those families may be larger. Mm -hmm. Basically, to sum it all up, would you say that if a mother wants to know how many kids is right for them, it's to calculate all the different factors we talked about? 
don't want to decide based on what society and your friends are telling you. And generally, you know, when we have an opinion or we decide something, we think we're doing it alone, but we're not. We are influenced by our parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, the size of our family uh, growing up, our relationship with our siblings as kids versus our adult relationship with our siblings if you had them. So you, you really, you know, I don't advocate for one size family or another because I think having raised four children to start and then having one that I'm pretty objective about mm -hmm. it. <laughs> so where can listeners find more about you, can uh, read more about your articles? You say you you write a lot on psychology today. You have numerous books. I mean, Amazon is great for that. Where else can we find They you? Also go to my website, which is www.susannewmanphd.com. And there is an only child information center, right? When you, you'll see it when you go to the site. And if anybody wants to be part of my next study and willing to be interviewed, it will be anonymous. I will not use your name. There's a contact link on my website. Just get in touch with me and I'll get back to you. And is that for parents with only child or doesn't matter how many kids they have? they have a view on only children, they should absolutely contact me. Uh, they can be only children themselves or have an only child or be on the fence about what they want to do. Do they want to add to their family? Any aspect of what we've been talking about, we'll be happy to get on the phone with them. That's great. So I'll just ask you one question I ask to everyone that comes on the podcast. So we all know that being a mother and a parent is a roller coaster of emotions and experiences. Keeping motherhood inspired, what one thing have you found kept you inspired and energized throughout your mom journey? Lowering my expectations of <laughs> what I expect of myself and what I expect and expected of my children. And hope, hoping to hear from everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love, Keeping Motherhood Inspired podcast. If you think someone would enjoy to listen to this episode, please share it with them. You can share the link wherever you're listening or go to our website at www.citruslove.com slash episode and the number where you will find the episode as well as all the information about the guests or the specific episode. The best way to get our podcast ranked is by leaving me a review wherever you're listening, two, three, four, five, six stars, whatever you feel reflect podcast. This will not only let me know what needs to be improved as well as what you particularly love. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye guys. <laughs>